So, Dan, you can hear me? Yep. Yeah, I can. And Keith, and I can hear all of you. I'm going to just um, hit one other track here just to see if you can hear this, just to make sure that it's coming through. Yeah, you can yep, hear that? That's coming through. Yeah. All right. Good. I didn't know we were starting with the Star Spangled Banner, but that's okay. It's just that you don't recognize our theme music anymore because we haven't done these podcasts for so long. That's all. Uh, I thought that was how O Canada started. <laughs> this is going to be a great episode, I can tell. We're, we are so on our material here. It's just <laughs> blowing my mind. Uh, so is this the, uh, the Dan Balser of the Becoming Identical podcast? Uh, yes, it is. The one who thought our theme music was the Star Spangled Banner? Yeah, but our guest corrected that, so I think we're, we're all good. Well, I guess then the show is on Star Spangled Banner, O Canada, or actually the theme is called Soulful Blues. Is, is, is what you're listening to. And uh, I should look up the composer. It's royalty-free. It's these brilliant, brilliant, brilliant people who uh, compose this music and put it on the internet for people like us to use, which is absolutely remarkable. So we are in the middle of the day, actually, recording this. Dan, you just came out of a high, high-powered meeting right high high intensity in high, terms of trying high. to uh, make decisions about how we build great learning so anyway yeah. we're we're all in the same space and i i just came out of a uh writing a script for an audio documentary trying to sort through the notes that my wonderful editor consultant gave me to to fix it and uh but we're we're joined by somebody that i met um on, on a road trip to Minneapolis, through Minneapolis when I picked you up a couple of weeks ago, Keith Jones, you said, meet me at Keith's place. So that's what I did. I drove up there. Do you want to say, just introduce Keith a little bit? Uh, well, Keith can give us all his credentials. I don't know how many letters he has behind his name, but... Um, well, I wanted you to uh, say like how you know him. I obviously we'll get yeah, yeah. to all the letters, but yeah, all the the PhD and all those things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now you well, gave it away, like because that's the like the biggest letters. All the oh, other the ones, PhD thing. Yeah, all oh, the other okay. ones come up before it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, our families used to live in the same area, and our our daughters and and children um, played together. Did you know, like pre-K activities together and we went to the same church together for several years and we've as as our kids have grown up we've done this interesting exchange of his daughter went to school where we live and so they would come and stay with us when they came to visit their daughter and now our daughter goes to school in Minneapolis so we go stay at their house when we go to visit her so I don't know if we've run out, Keith, of, of exchanges of how many visits or if there's a few left and we start <laughs> owing each other. You start paying the Airbnb bills. Or... I think it's so, continually anyway. symbiotic. It'll keep going. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, well, he, 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 yeah, it's, it's a great, it's a great relationship. So, but Keith is a deep expert in something that we're super curious about. Yeah. So um, don't, which is, don't, don't say what it is. Cause, cause here's, here's how this came about. And then we will okay. finally get to Keith to say something. Uh, Everybody's like, are you going to talk to Keith or just talk to each other? Exactly. Well, this is this is the really <laughs> long extended teaser going all the way into why Keith is on the Becoming Identical podcast. And so I was just stepping out of the door after I picked you up on my way through Minneapolis to Winnipeg. You were going to drive with me after my road trip. And as I was leaving, literally, and we had some great food and stuff at, at Keith's place, uh, wonderful hospitality. And Keith says, <laughs> you know what? There's a lot of twins in Shakespeare. That's what we, that's what Keith said at the doorstep, uh, at the threshold. And, and, and as soon as I heard that, I'm like, we have to have that conversation. So Dan, what were you going to say? So I was going to say, Keith is a Shakespeare expert. So Keith, all right, this is the time where you give us your credentials. And then the key question is, what, where, what's the most famous set of twins that shows up in Shakespeare? But All first, right. tell us who, where you teach, what you teach, whatever you want to tell us about your, yourself. Okay, tremendous. Well, if I go on with as great a length as this teaser, we'll be here and not able to <laughs> get on to the Shakespeare stuff. Uh, but I teach at the University of Northwestern. I've taught here. Uh, this is uh, year 20 that I'll be starting in the fall. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a long time. And I've I've always been interested in Shakespeare. That's kind of the long and short of it. So we can cut right to the twins. There are uh, three sets of twins in Shakespeare. There's one set of twins in a play called Twelfth Night. And that is not identical twins. And since we're talking about being identical, we'll let's put that to the side and talk about the other play. Because there's one other play that has two sets of identical twins in it. And that's Comedy of Errors. Huh. So you just swept Twelfth Night off the Shakespearean shelf, like just like that, like just kind of pushed that right off the end of the bookcase. Well, they're fraternal <laughs> twins. How interested are you in fraternal twins? Not really. So I appreciate <laughs> yeah, that. <okay. laughs> no, we so love fraternal <laughs> So, so is the what are how much a part of the story is, is are the twins in the comedy of errors? They are essential. the The plot is very complicated. But it's great fun if you get a chance to watch it. There are two cities, right? Ephesus and Syracuse. And they are not, these, these are ancient Greek cities, so it's kind of set in a vague ancient Greece. Uh, they're not on good terms. If you come from Syracuse to Ephesus, you're in danger of being executed. That's how tough <laughs> the, the idea is. Uh, so there's a pair, there, there's a... Um, um, I don't know. Have you, have you guys seen uh, or read the uh, P.G. Woodhouse books about Jeeves and Wooster? No, I haven't. They're, it's a story about we're, a, a we're man. illiterate. Yeah, <laughs> it's a story about a man and his valet. So imagine a man and his valet, right? They live in Ephesus, but there's another man and his valet who live in Syracuse. Now the the man, the two men are identical twins, and the two valets are identical twins as well. Oh, I like this. They were separated not long after birth, and wow. the father took one um, man and his valet, or boy, and the person who was going to be his valet, took them, and the wife took the other two. And somehow in the, the shipwreck that caused all this, they got <laughs> mixed up about the names 
So they're called the same name. All right. So it's as if you, Dan, were separated uh, from your brother at birth and your dad took you and called you Dan and your mom took Dave, but called him Dan, too, because she couldn't figure out which one it was. Yeah. Well, this is this is very common. Our entire life is marked by being called by the same name name. or the other. Yeah. Yeah. So we've in essence both used each other's names our entire lives and had whole conversations with people because they thought they were talking to the other person. Anyway. Have you guys done any acting? (laughs) I think you're perfect to be cast for these roles. This is Oh, like, I did do a bit of a stage drama thing in, at the high school that I worked at we where did. we tried to trick people into thinking there was one person, but there was actually two on stage mm-hmm. and, and, and doing sort of this visual, you know, magic. So I, so, so continue the story. So I'm, I'm curious to know, like, how does Shakespeare use this dynamic as part of the plot line? Yeah. Well, uh, what's really amazing about how, what Shakespeare did is that how he added a set of twins to his source material. His source material just has a man and his twin, and they end up in the same city. And so there's all, all sorts of confusion. You know, hey, I saw you earlier this morning. Uh, give me back the money you loaned me. I didn't loan you any money. <laughs> there's that. But Shakespeare adds the servants. So it's just, yeah. it's it, it doubles, triples, quadruples, uh, all these all these misapprehensions. So the, the plot involves, you know, these two guys from Ephesus, from Syracuse coming to Ephesus, and all sorts of things start to get mixed up because they are identical with the yeah. man and his servant who are living yeah. in Ephesus. So the guy who's living in Ephesus and his servant are both married, but the guy from Syracuse <laughs> and his servant are not married. Mm. So when they arrive, it doesn't take long before the wife of the man from Ephesus... Uh, thinks that her husband is is like behaving very oddly <laughs> because yeah. he won't come home for dinner. He thinks he doesn't live there. He says, I'm staying in an inn at the outskirts of town. <laughs> and uh, meanwhile, the, the servant goes off to get something. And then the master says, hey, did you get the rope I asked you to get? It's like, what rope? You didn't ask me to get any rope. So all of these people. So the, these- so the two twins, they don't know each other. They don't know of the other one. So they're operating in the same city, but but independently of, of knowledge of each other. They do not know the other one exists. Wow. Ah, so it's okay. even more layered. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's, so- it's tremendous because it does explore those ideas of what what is identity and what are the traps of, for you guys, saying you're Dan when you're really Dave and saying you're Dave when you're really Dan. What's oh, there aren't of- any traps. It's really simple. I mean, <laughs> oh, it's okay. just like there's no ethics involved. It's just really... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, go back and listen to a couple of our other shows, and we we try to unpack that because it is very layered. Mm-hmm. So, so Shakespeare intentionally uses twins to play out on this these sort of deeper questions about identity, about truth telling, things like that. Are there any other things that he's trying to make a point about? I think those are the main things, like questioning how well do you know somebody you think you know really well. How could a wife actually mistake the other twin for the one she's married to? Yeah. And both of you guys are married, so you guys can each ask your wife, how do you know I'm really Dan? How do you know I'm really Dave? Because they they probably have a very deep answer. Like, it's it's evident to them who you are. 
but for yeah. the purposes of the fiction and Shakespeare, it becomes it it becomes not evident. So yeah. Keith, you probably don't know this, but when when I was dating my Catherine, who's now my wife, one of the things that Dan and I did when we had landlines in the old days is we would get on each get on a phone and we would talk to her and see how long we could play out impersonating, you know, as though she was talking to one person. And I, I do know that story. And if you guys had seen or read Comedy of Errors, you probably would not have tried to fool her in that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it sounds like there's a tragic ending yeah. to this play that we don't know about yet. <laughs> the, the consequences are dire. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, uh, two of them get thrown into a lunatic asylum. Nice. <laughs> and eventually the other two come roaring out and they think that they've they are the ones who were locked up but they've escaped so everybody runs away oh and goodness. then at the very end here's a little bit of a spoiler so if anybody wants to pause for a moment and go read the play and come back yeah. uh, now's the chance to do that <laughs> it all becomes revealed that oh okay this is this is these are identical twins and it turns out that both the father and the mother have ended up in Ephesus and they're reunited. They've been separated these 25 years or so. They're reunited. The twins are reunited. And all becomes all becomes clear and comes and well beautiful. in the end. And there's, uh, wow. I'll just tell you, I want to tell you about a couple different productions of the play that are out there, or one is out there and one was one I saw performed. Um, the one that's out there is by the BBC. They made a recording of every single one of Shakespeare's plays oh. just to have. And they did a comedy of errors but they didn't hire identical twins to play the two roles of identical twins. They had for the servants, they had one person play both roles and through the miracle of cameras, uh, uh, they were able to make it look like it was two people. That person was Roger Daltrey of the who. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to see something really odd, you can go there. Um, But the other production is one that I saw at the Great River Shakespeare Festival in Winona, Minnesota. Try to go there every year. They put on really great Shakespeare. And at the very end, there was this there was this wonderful, little bit corny, but very moving moment where each of the servant twins had a pair of baby booties, but they were mismatched. Mm. One had red and green. They're meant to be two red and the other had green and red. Right. And they they just held out these shoes to each other and then they exchanged so that one had both red and one had both green and that was that was their reconciliation they're finding each other their realization that they like the booties that they now have are identical separate but identical it was just it was a very moving moment that's incredible so keith uh this is just so completely fascinating to me I, i have a couple questions one is what is it about Shakespeare that intrigued you? And 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 I imagine as as a educator instructor, you know, like you're you're always bringing what whatever that intrigue is into the real world now for your students. So, what intrigued you about Shakespeare? And 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 what is it that 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 you bring from Shakespeare into our current day? Uh, Mm -hmm. that, that you say, you know, Shakespeare helps us have this conversation. That's, those are both really good questions. The first one is a little bit unanswerable. It's been (laughs) so long that I'm not quite sure, but 
in in a children's book that I had when I was a kid, uh, illustrated by Wallace Tripp. Um, just it was way back. There were just it was nursery rhymes and and old sayings and Shakespeare quotes. And I really was drawn to all that language, especially with those illustrations, with the mind of a child just soaking all of this in. And I just kept following that. I just kept exploring wow. more and more about what is it that people like about this, this writer and finding out, well, I like those things too. So that's the second question there. What, what, what is it about Shakespeare that I can bring to the classroom that I can tell my students about? Well, you know, a lot of people ask me whether Shakespeare is relevant or mm. they ask, how do you make Shakespeare relevant? I teach a Shakespeare in film class in addition to other Shakespeare classes. And in that class, particularly, they're, they're saying, all right, I think this film makes Shakespeare relevant. And I think that's the wrong way of looking at it. I think that those productions reveal the relevance of Shakespeare mm. rather than make him relevant. That can be both beneficial and detrimental. I mean, there are things in Shakespeare that are uh, universal, that um, are relevant, like finding a finding a lost sibling, like understanding who you are. Um, in in the uh, in the play, uh, Antiphilus. This is the name of the the man, not the servant. Antiphilus uh, of Syracuse is brought into Antiphilus of Ephesus's house, and so he's there with. Uh, Antiphilus of Ephesus, his wife, who is, you know, who's, who's being a wife and, and being loving and caring and wondering why he's not behaving like he ought to. And you think, okay, well, there, there's some danger here. What happens if, if they fall in love because she's already married to somebody else? What if he falls in love with her? But instead, he falls in love with the wife's sister, whose name is Luciana. And uh, she, that, that is then okay. Um, the the uh, servant, whose name is Dromeo, Dromeo of Syracuse, finds Dromeo of Ephesus's wife absolutely repulsive. Just has some of the funniest lines in Shakespeare about how vile she is and foul and her, how her breath stinks. Uh, and, but at the end, he comes to realize, oh, well, I don't love her, but my brother does. And that mm. is that you know that that's something also that's universal, uh, coming to an understanding of who you are as an individual, and how you differ, even if you're identical genetically, mostly, <laughs> with somebody else. <laughs> how how you have different you, you've you've taken a different path. You have different points of view, uh, different um, attitudes, uh, different tastes. Some of you swim. Some of you sink. <laughs> yeah, we do that. Dave swims, I sink. <laughs> so, so Shakespeare then, in a sense, gives us a chance to kind of unpack some of these deeper. I mean, if you know, he he's exploring some of these universal, deeper questions of life, and yes. twins somehow. I mean, I I I don't know. Like, I mean, people will have if people listen to the podcast one or two episodes back and I won't, I won't give away what happened, but we, after 25 years tried to, 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 to do the identity thing. Yeah. We tried yeah. to pull a prank. And so now I'm thinking that maybe, 
what we're doing when we do that is we're actually helping people explore the theme of trust and identity. So, so actually Dan and I are kind of a public service to people. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're the real live Shakespeare. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like, aren't we, aren't we posing these profound visceral? I mean, like there was, there was definitely a lot of emotion and there always has been when we've tried to pull pranks and people, you know, wrestle with who's who it's been very emotional for us, uh, complex ethically. And it, and it's brought out a lot of emotion in the people involved. So, so I don't know. Is that, so it's uh, what I was wondering. Maybe that's why twins are around. They help you. They, you have to address your, your trust issues with people. (laughs) If you know a twin, Go ahead, Dan. Well, I'm 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 wondering if the um, there's so few twins, right, relative to the general population, that if Shakespeare builds a whole play around twins, is there a disconnect that people can't put themselves in the shoes of that person? So, does the deeper or the the other layer of you know the discovery about I don't love this person, but someone else can? Does that actually come through um, for the audience? What do you think, Keith? I think it does. I think it comes through, if not from the direction of the twins. And I think we can put ourselves in the in the place of twins, not not completely and fully, but to enough of a degree to be able to see the world through their eyes, especially when Shakespeare is guiding us in that. But if we don't get it from there, we get it from the other side. Because mm-hmm. after all, I mean, I didn't mention this, but the the wife and the sister aren't twins. If they were mm. twins, boy, that would <laughs> that would layer yeah, things yeah. Uh, even heavier. Uh, yeah. But uh, but they're not. So you can see it from from the perspective of those other characters, how they're relating to these twins, these sets of twins, who are determining, who are trying to figure out who they are and why people would assume they are this way. Right. And they're assuming they're that way because they know the other twin. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. So the good news here is that Dave, you and I can have friends who aren't twins, right? Because people can relate somewhat to twins, the twin environment, right? So we, we can, we, there's some hope there. Um, Keith, what, what is it about twins in like, do, have you done any research or, or uh, any, do you want, like the context, the social cultural context that Shakespeare was writing in and drawing in twins. Were, were twins a thing in the 1500s, late 1500s when Shakespeare was writing? Or or is it we don't know? I don't know. <laughs> there may be people who do know. But I, yeah. I, what I know is that Shakespeare is drawing from his source material, which is uh, an, a Latin play um, from the Roman empire era uh, don't ask me for a particular date but you know centuries and centuries before shakespeare is when the basic play was p- first performed so he's okay. he's not drawing from contemporary ideas of mm. oh i met a pair of twins and they told me an interesting story about how they used to <laughs> try to fool their teachers or their girlfriends um uh but rather using that source material but then complicating it by adding that extra set of twins uh, okay hmm. and, so that was not in his source material. The second set of twins was not in the source material. That's right. He doubled right? that up. Okay. So wow. he's 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 creating a new version, a new 
new combination of variables to 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 create dramatic effect, I guess. Well, to to create comedy and farce, but then also, I mean, to to re-explore it. There's a difference mm. between the the uh, the man and his valet, as well as between the valet and the other valet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Keith, any any final thoughts about twins or or you know words something you know as as Dan and I are trying to kind of navigate life and you've for for good or for ill encountered us in in your life journey uh <laughs> what 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 do you what kind of wisdom would you leave with us wisdom to leave with you I'm or, here or the to world. gather the wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I think you've, you're looking in the wrong place then. We're just uh, two guys producing a podcast, and we don't know if we have an audience. <laughs> well, what I do think is that, that these are questions that twins and others can ask themselves, uh, essential questions of identity. Who am I? Huh. What do I believe? Why do I believe what I am? Why do I answer the question, who am I in this particular way? So for you and your brother, you're answering those questions in this podcast relative to the fact that you're also identical twins, but that is not your exclusive territory. We all can be asking those questions, whether twins that I know happen to be listening to this podcast or other twins that you guys know, um, we, we can all we can all benefit from this. And to put in a plug for Shakespeare, Shakespeare can help us do that. He helps us <laughs> to start asking these questions and he doesn't answer them for us. He opens them so that we have to start thinking about them and answering them for ourselves. And just to add one more really interesting factoid to this is Keith is the father of twins. So he has firsthand what? experience of watching <laughs> this happen through his whole his whole life. And we believe them so. to be identical twins as well. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. So, so you kept the juiciest bit of information <laughs> for the very last minute. Like, I love it. <laughs> uh. Becoming Identical is brought to you by Good Times International, creating good times internationally. And our guest from Minneapolis makes this highly international. And Dan in Chicago, me in Winnipeg. You can find the podcast wherever you find Dave and Dan. Tune in next to our next episode for more of the same. Any final words, Dan? Uh, thank you, Keith. This has been just a fantastic uh, interaction. You've you've uh, you've taken us to a to a, to a, to a meaningful place, and and also you're just incredibly articulate. I have to say, I would love to be a student in your classroom. Yeah. So another plug for Keith, if you're listening, uh, go take a class with him. Yeah. Thank you very much. I was so pleased to be here. Thanks for having me. You took this so seriously, Keith. Like, really, like, uh, amazing. Uh, I, I'm looking at your BA, your MA, and your PhD. You have studied more English than I have used in my entire life, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Keith. Uh, thank you. It's awesome. I think we added one listener in Houston, a friend of mine. So we're up to 14 in the audience now. So I think we're...
We're getting there. We're almost at critical mass. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll promote this through my channels, and I'm sure that a lot of my followers will want to want to tune in just for the Shakespeare, and maybe they'll stay yeah. for the twins after they get. Well, there who knows? The, for the Shakespeare. <laughs> I what I've what I've heard the last person I sent this is somebody I grew up with in Ecuador who lives in Houston now, and he's actually a a broadcaster, but. He said he listens to us while he's at the gym. So yeah, I think there's something about like, you know, when you're half listening and you're you're actually focused on something else, this is just good background noise. Yeah. So if, if there's a case for background noise in your audience, then this is <laughs> the, the, the way to go. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Yeah.